0: What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> ECW one-weight champion. The ECW. When you want the load down the professional wrestling, come right here to the two-man power trip of wrestling. You'll get all the load down. Ha, 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 ha.
1: Well, guys, it's great to be on the, on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. It just You said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. but Chad and John, the two-man power trip. That's, uh, that's an awesome uh, name for yourselves.
0: Good, how you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man, what's going on? We ready to go or what? Oh, okay. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Scotty Riggs, and you're listening
2: to the Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling.
3: Hey, man, what's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's
4: my homie! Homicide with a big homie club! Yeah, that would be it. <laughs> hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling.
2: Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me.
0: And hardcore legend, the by and this
3: Rino is the two-man power trip of wrestling, and you are listening to the 2016 two-man power trip of wrestling political extravaganza brought to you by America. That's right. My name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Pods. And John... I know it's kind of uh, it's a it's a touchy subject when you talk politics, but when you've got the caliber of guests that we've got lined up today, it's always a lot of fun to work wrestling and politics as they go hand in hand. Because hell, there's a lot of politics in wrestling, and there's a lot of wrestlers that want to get into politics. But as I look ahead at the schedule, and we're joined by the Man Beast Rhino, and we're also joined by a good friend of ours, Mister Jack Hunter. And it's going to be a nice, fun episode, but with some serious issues in there. And whether or not you believe what the person is saying, it's everybody's right to their own opinion. And of course, you can take it for what it's worth, or you can uh, throw it away and oppose it wholeheartedly. But with that being said, it is uh, a political season, a big presidential election coming down the pike. But Rhino running for a state position. He's running in the 15th District in Michigan. And you're going to hear all about Rhino's politics and what he's all about. And it's been a lot of fun to get into that aspect of Rhino's career because we all know the Man Beast. We all know the War Machine. He's one of the most intense competitors that's ever stepped through the ring in ECW and also in TNA and, of course, in the WWE. But, John, before we get it over to this Power Packed episode, this political extravaganza, if you will tell us a little bit about Rhino, tell us a little bit about his background and what we can expect to hear from the man beast himself.
0: Yes, Chad. Woo, back here again at the two man power trip of wrestling. And this episode is power packed with politics. Yes, we have a political flavor to this episode, unlike any other episode we've done before total, you know, going totally in a different direction with the two-man power to wrestling, going politics, obviously going hand-in-hand with wrestling too, but, you know, we decided to change it up a bit, and we have Rhino, of course, and Jack Hunter, another very interesting special guest, where we talk a lot of wrestling with him as well, he works for Rare.us, he is the editor there, so we do have a big political spin to the show, but, of course, you know, This is the two-man partnership of wrestling, and we will be talking a lot of wrestling as well. You know, first and foremost, of course, is the Rhino interview. And we go really deep into his politics, really deep into the Vote for Rhino campaign. We talk all about what he's doing over there in Dearborn, Michigan, the state representative that he's running for. You know, we get into the whole gamut of his politics. We talk a little bit about some other wrestlers involved in politics, obviously, Linda McMahon and... uh, you have to say Vince McMahon as well, having to politics, but obviously Linda ran for U.S. Senate. You have Kane aka Glenn Jacobs, running, you know, for office down there. I believe it's uh, I believe it's either Kentucky or Tennessee somewhere down there. I know he was running. Uh, obviously Jesse Ventura, the former governor of Minnesota, and then of course you cannot forget Bob Backlund, you know, with his little run for uh, president there. And you know, you can't obviously forget a guy who's actually running for president for real. And we do actually talk about Donald Trump. You know, we get into his politics, but not only that, how Donald Trump is kind of like an old school wrestling heel, if you will. He's kind of got that promo ability and acts like a like a professional wrestler, would so we definitely get into the politics of Donald Trump. So it's a very interesting interview, Rhino. Great interview, we got a lot of great stuff. But you can't just you know, talk about politics. You can't just let Rhino go. You got to talk about some wrestling as well. We do go into his latest run at NXT. We have a great story about him being booked when he came back for that little mini return with the Dudley boys and Tommy Dreamer and how they wrestled the Wyatts. You got a little funny story there. Great stuff from Rhino. I mean, we run the whole gamut here. We talk a little bit about Edge and Christian and WrestleMania and the old days in WWF. Of course, talking some of his favorite matches, some of his favorite moments. You cannot forget about TNA where he had some great runs and some great matches against Jeff Jarrett and him winning the NWA title and him running the gauntlet. We get into that a little bit. We talk about him wrestling Booker T, not only for TNA, but for WWF as well. Talk about his match against The Rock. Talk about some great moments where he ends up winning the ECW World Title. Talk about his feud with the Sandman. I mean, we've talking about a lot of great stuff. This is a, you know, huge episode for us. I mean, it's packed to the gills with some great... Wrestling knowledge, but it's also packed with some political twist. So, this is one that you're really, really going to enjoy. You get to see another side of Rhino that you don't always see, but you know, it goes to show you that, you know, he may be the man beast, but he's definitely a smart, smart guy with a lot of common sense and a lot of great ideas. And he made a great point wrestling prepares you for life. And when you hear what he has to say about that and how he goes into wrestling really preparing him for his next step in the political world you will really be shocked and I guarantee you will come away with a you know new impression of the man beast right now and now without any further ado a man running for state representative out of Dearborn Michigan a man that wants you to vote for Rhino, he's a former ECW world champion, a former two-time ECW television champion, and a former NWA world heavyweight champion. He is the man beast. Gore, gore, gore. He is Rhino. Please enjoy.
4: Bush here and joining us on the line tonight is somebody who John and I have a large interest in. He's always been one of our personal favorites. And right now he's turning his attention to running for the 15th district in the state of Michigan as the state representative. I know the wrestling fans love to shout the gore, 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 but tonight we welcome in Terry Guerin, a.k.a. Rhino. Thank you so much for joining the two man power trip of wrestling.
2: Well, thank you guys for having me, and I apologize for my voice. I've uh, got allergies. I heard it's, uh, it's hitting everybody pretty big uh, this time of the year.
4: Yeah, allergies uh, not very fun. Obviously, uh, this yeah. time of year does for <laughs> <right. to> them.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what a what a
4: way to get rolling. But I guess what we want to talk about right up the top is you running for the state representative in the fifteenth fifteenth yes. yeah. district in the state of Michigan. Really, uh, what was it that inspires you to run? Obviously, uh, we all know you from your, your wrestling career. We all know the intensity that you have in the ring. But what made you want to turn your views towards the political ring?
2: Well, I've always uh, loved politics. I've always enjoyed um, following it, um, you know, uh, solving problems. I enjoy solving problems and helping people out and being part of something bigger than yourself. It's a uh, very special you know, like whenever you're part of a big wrestling match or a big wrestling show, you know, it's it, like afterwards you're like, wow, that was, that was pretty incredible. So when you can help someone out and make their lives a little easier, that's a, that's a pretty good feeling. And plus, you know, you'll be part of something uh, bigger than yourself and something special.
4: Yeah, absolutely, and obviously uh, politics and wrestling going hand-in-hand these days, and we've heard the stories, of course. You know, we've seen Jesse Ventura run successfully for governor. Uh, We've heard about Glenn Jacobs and how he's going to be dabbling, possibly running for uh, an office down there in Kentucky, but now, you know, we talk about Donald Trump. You talk about the tie-ins to wrestling. When you have wrestling fans behind you and they can get the word out, that's to say the least, but how has the response been to you running for uh, the 15th district and the state representative how has that been you know with the wrestling community uh,
2: getting behind you well the, i mean it's uh believe it or not i um i met the uh, house speaker in uh michigan and he told me that i got the biggest reaction out of anybody that announced you know running for the house of representatives uh on a state level and uh anyways long story short it's because of the wrestling fans And it's because of uh, social media and everything, Um, which in return, it got a lot of articles and papers and stuff. And people contacting me um, to interview me and stuff like that. So it was because of the wrestling fans. Now, wrestling um, kind of prepares you for life. You know, it it tells you, um, teaches you how to get in front of a crowd, um, get your point across. Um, go home with a strong line, you know, and it teaches you how to feel a crowd and feel their emotions and passions. Um, because when you're, you know, voting on things for people and representing them, you have to know how they feel. Um, and, you know, you with wrestling, when you're out in front of a crowd, you feed off their emotions. So, um, So you have to feel that. If you don't, you're not going to be in wrestling very long, so um, a lot of that just helps you in the political arena, so no
0: doubt, and then of course, you know you vote for Rhino and everyone should be out there voting for Rhino. but what part of the, you know the politics are you on the Republican side or you know how would you describe your politics?
2: Well, I'm running under the Republican ticket. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle on a lot of things i I'm for smaller. A very efficient government. Um, do your job, you know, uh, um, get the job done on time because, you know, every employer expects their employee to show up on time and do the work. And, you know, we show up on time and we do our job. And, uh, you know, social government. Um, I, uh, another, one of the reasons why I'm running under the Republican ticket is I'm pro life. Now, Um and that's actually the most asked question I get um when I'm knocking on doors. And believe it or not, it's still it um it's still an issue for a lot of people. And my stance is do I want to make it illegal? No. Because I'm afraid of a young girl, you know, um in a dark alley getting an abortion by a hack. Um my thing is is let's talk about the numbers. Let's talk about the numbers per day. Let's talk about if you don't want a child, what are the means to prevent you from getting pregnant? You know, at the end of the day, it's a decision the woman has to live with the rest of her life. Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about, you know, let's face it, you know, if any of us are married or have a girlfriend and we're late for dinner, family dinner, we'll hear about it for years to come because they remember stuff like that. <laughs> Hell, I'm divorced, and I still get uh, you know, wave going. Remember that time you're late for the family dinner? Like, wait, we're divorced. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> but my point is, is women if they if they make that decision, that's something they'll remember, you know. And we as men don't think that. They think, oh, it's a decision they make it. They're done with it. No, they 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 remember. Okay, right around this time. The baby should have been born, would it have been a boy or a girl this year? the baby would have been a year or two years old, so my thing is is you know leave it on the communities to talk about you know it to the kids at the appropriate age, you know, and that's up to the community to decide on prevention you know if you don't want a child, how do we prevent it you know and then uh you know and remind adults too so my uh, my question is is do you guys know how many legal abortions have taken place in this country since 1973? No, I'm not sure nope. uh, how many. Take a guess. Take a guess. Legal, documented, on they the books. you got to be in the thousands, right? Oh, so you say thousands. Yeah. Since 1973. There's been 58 million legal documented abortions in this country since 1973 there's 3000 a day so my thing is is that's the same reaction i get my thing is is let's talk about the numbers and let's talk about okay if we don't want to have a child you know how do we prevent it so there's several ways and and that's my thing you know and uh so it makes sense. I'm not sitting here going, "Oh, I don't think women should get abortion if they get pregnant, have the child." I'm pro-life because if I ever got a girl in trouble, I kicked it old school there. Did you? Did you like that? <laughs> if I ever got a girl in trouble, <laughs> like back in the '50s, I would say that. But if I if no. I ever um, if I ever got a girl pregnant, um, I would be there for her and I'd want her to have the child. I can't keep her under lock and key, so if she wanted to have an abortion. At the end of the day it's her decision. You know, but I would have these conversations before we developed into a relationship. You know, so but anyways, I mean it's just in education. We're educating our, you know, um the people in a lot of things. Let's let's talk about these things, you know. So
4: Absolutely. And my guess is gonna be fifty seven million, but I didn't get a chance to
2: uh
4: <laughs> to throw my number out there, but you know that's okay. obviously that's a bold that's a bold stance to take in 2016, and I know it's uh, we're in a you know very politically correct culture where everything that you say is monitored and watched and put under a heavy yeah. microscope. Do you have any kind of uh, fear when it comes to putting your beliefs out there? Because as strong as nope. you feel about them, somebody's always going to have a problem with it.
2: Yeah, and and that's the thing, you know. I, and I like to be um, I like to be tested. I like people to come at me, you know. And it's funny because. Um, you know, I'm not far right. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm obviously not far left. But we live in the greatest country, I believe, the greatest country in the world, you know, where we still have that freedom to believe in whatever we believe in. You know, but let's, let's. you know, I find things that we can agree on because there's really no um, benefit just to getting to a uh, pissing contest with someone. You know, I mean, people have their rights is everybody going to see things my way? No, you know, and nor should they, you know, I believe in freedom of religion. Um, I, I believe in the second amendment, but I think there should be, um, you know, as far as, you know, the good background check, I don't think there should be assault rifles. If there are, you know, you have to really do a good background check, you know, and, uh, and And go from there, I think states should have um i think there should be stricter um, um, uh, sentences when it comes to uh crimes with guns, you know whether it's a armed robbery or something um I think they should decriminalize marijuana um to a certain extent, and then you know then you can have the conversation as far as legalization so but if you decriminalize it a lot then you won't tie up the court systems. But it, you, you, you tend to think that's what these politicians want. The court systems will be tied up because then there's more money that they, you know, they make off the taxpayers, you know, if you think about it. So
0: does that Larry, make no, any you, sense? Yes, yes, you're definitely making a lot of sense and you're making some good points. But it's funny to, when you think about it sometimes. It's like, wow, this wrestler knows all this stuff about politics. And, you know, and he's so much smarter than we think. Are you getting a guy like Vince McMahon's approval who has been known to be you know, very political? And obviously his wife um, is very political as well?
2: Well, um, I, I just seen Vince the one time. And uh, you know what's funny is I walked up to him. It was at the Joe right before I announced. And I go, I hope I make you proud. I'm running. I had already made up my decision. I didn't file yet. I go, I hope I make you proud. I'm going to run for state representative. And he said, you already made us proud. He didn't ask what party. He knew I was a hard worker. He knew I was dedicated. He knows I'm a man that's made mistakes. I'm not afraid to admit it. And I'm not afraid because, really, I don't have skeletons in my closet. Um, you know, the the one WrestleMania thing. I was going through a divorce is totally understandable. I made a decision that I was poor. I was also drinking, so <laughs> I've never made yep. I've never made wise decisions when I was drinking. But anyways, it's one of those things where I'm a man and if people don't like me because of that, that's that's okay with me because that's their decision and they're free to make their decisions. The only thing I can say when I'm running is these are my beliefs. I don't push my beliefs on anybody. I think we should live as a, um, a free society. I think government and elected officials should be held responsible for what they do. I think people should be more aware of when politicians are, are politically posturing and not really um, di- um, have that issue at heart. Because you know, sometimes uh, politicians, they just politically posture, and what they're saying they really don't mean so i think people have to you know look into that and understand and hold them accountable you know so the the one thing i can do is promise that i'll go out there and i'll work my butt off i'll be honest with you even if it's something you don't want to hear cuz you should at least um you should at least know the truth and you should that way you know where to stand you know what i mean so and if i don't if i'm not voted in i'm not voted in so, and I understand that. Like, for example, I was asked to run under the Democratic ticket because in this district, usually whoever makes it, the Democrat that makes it through the primary, walks um, to the, through the general. I would be lying to the people that I'm asking to vote for me because that's not really who I am. You know, I'm a person, a lot of people say, oh, you sound more libertarian. Really, I'm, I'm an American I have my beliefs, but those are my beliefs, but the one thing I can do is work hard for you, and if you don't like my character or my beliefs and you don't want to vote for me, I totally understand that, that you're right, you know, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you one thing to your face and then tell someone else something to their face just to get their vote. So.
0: Got to love the honesty. It's very refreshing, and it almost sounds, you know, a little bit You know, not so much like Donald Trump, but I'm saying Donald Trump definitely speaks his mind more so than most politicians. Do you kind of look at Trump and see, you know, like, oh, you know, he's kind of got that wrestling promo down, you know, he's got that personality down?
2: I think Donald Trump has learned to talk, I want to say, like a fourth grader in front when he's out there talking to, um, he's a very smart man. Um, And and I'll be honest with you, I'm not sold 100% on him. I think what really uh, how how he will win is if he puts together a dream team because he needs to know people that um, and I want to know if he's going to be able to work with uh, um, Congress, you know, even if uh, the Republicans lose um, Congress. So I, I want to know if he's going to be able to work, you know, with them. Like a lot of people thought Ronald Reagan was going to start World War Three. You know, and a lot of people thought Reagan wasn't going to do a good job. But, um, you know, he got the economy going. And a lot of people, they just want to work. They understand they have to pay their taxes. They want a good job. They want to work. And they want to have that opportunity of freedom. And I believe, here's another thing, I believe in social uh, programs. My father was on Social Security Disability for 16 years. But my mother worked, and um, we needed that. And I have two older brothers. We lived in a, a, a small house, and he raised three boys that were productive members of society. We all, um, uh, we all had uh, jobs. None of us went to college. My one brother, he works for UPS. He's a diesel mechanic. But he worked in the mechanics uh, field ever since uh, high school. He got out of high school. My other brother is in tool and dye. We pay our taxes, and I figured my first year of WWE, I paid back all uh, what my father collected those 16 years before he passed away in uh, Social Security. Actually, um, it was like one and a half years. It wasn't all to Social Security, but I paid it back. So imagine, you know, I've been paying taxes all these years, so have my brother's. So that's what social programs are meant to do, help people out when they're down. But we have to reform them every so often to make sure people aren't taking advantage of them. So because if people take advantage of it, then that system will fail, and then the people that really need it won't get it. You know, so doesn't that make sense?
0: It absolutely makes sense. And it's great that, you know, Rhino, the the world famous wrestler, the man beast, is much more than a wrestler. I mean such you sound so smart and such a thinking man and if some people don't equate, you know, all wrestlers, they they don't have it. And I think with Jesse Ventura, you know, being the governor showing his smarts, I feel like you getting out there, it's definitely gonna change, you know, the impression of wrestlers. But you know, as I as I start yeah. to wind it down Yeah, as I start to wind it down here, I just I just think, you know, since you had such a great career, former you know, ECW World Champion, NWA Champion. Do you think that you know you're changing the the view of wrestlers by getting out there and showing that you know you're thinking
2: that? Um, you know, like I, I've always um, I've always been a private person. Like I've uh, like I always kind of followed uh, politics because I found it interesting. And then um, I want to say probably 99 um, 2000. I really started looking into it um, and how all branches of government work. Last couple of years, probably two and a half, three years, I've been going to council meetings for a couple of different cities and a lot of common sense, common sense really isn't that common when it comes to elected officials. <laughs> <laughs> cause, cause like, for example, like, in Dearborn, even though I would be um, uh, working on a state level, but I, I, I like to work. Um, I'm a workaholic, so I would give advice to, the you know, the city council and mayor. But one of the things that I noticed, a lot of people would talk at the end of the council meeting, you know, the public gets a chance to voice their opinions or concerns. And I like to call that the main event because it gets, it gets Jerry Springer up you know, in the council chambers, uh, you know, so it's pretty entertaining. But one Hmm. thing I noticed, a lot of the people are very passionate about the public polls and they're closing because the city doesn't have money, which is understandable because of the, you know, the the several years that the country was in a recession and all that. And I'm thinking to myself, businesses set aside tens of millions of dollars each year just for advertising, some hundreds of millions of dollars, depending on the company. Why wouldn't they get a, uh, a business to sponsor the pools? And I'm thinking to myself, and this is time and time again, this is brought up, and I'm thinking to myself, you have Ford Motor Company, the world headquarters is in Dearborn. They're the biggest employer um, in Dearborn if you go to them and say, Hey, listen, it costs X amount of dollars to run the pool. Would you sponsor it? We will be responsible for any legal actions as always. Um, You know, you get to put your name all over the place and this and that. It would be a pretty easy sales pitch. My point is, is it's simple solutions to big problems because these problems are big to these citizens because they remember going with their parents to these pools and they can't take their kids because what they're doing is they're building memories kind of like when a father and son or a mother and a son or a mother and a daughter, whatever goes to a wrestling show, they go there and they watch it and they create memories. And when they're creating memories, and buddies go with buddies, they create memories. The thing is, is, Families and friends are coming together, and they're having a memory, and nobody can take that away from them. Whether it's a recession, your money's gone, or you're not making enough, but the memories are still there. Same thing with pools and families. If families go to a pool, they're creating memories. What did I talk about earlier? I talked about my father. I have a lot of wonderful memories of my father because he was a father, and we did things as a family. And you remember those. So that's what people are so upset about, these pools closing, especially if Ford could be a savior and save a pool. I mean, that that right there, you know, is a PR thing all in itself. It's worth the money. Another thing, Little Caesars. Have you guys ever heard of Little Caesars Pizza?
0: Oh, yeah, big time.
2: Mrs. Illich, she went to Fortson High School, which is in Dearborn. She grew up in the city so she has ties to the city. You go to Little Caesars and say, hey, listen, can you, because uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Zillidge, they own the Red Wings, the Tigers. So you go to them and say, hey, listen, can you sponsor a pool? But Little Caesars all over it, hot and ready pizza, $5. If you take your son there or your daughter um, or the family goes to a pool and you see hot and ready pizza, on the way home, you're probably going to stop and get pizza. So you're going to be this best parent around. My point is, is there's little, there's simple solutions to big problems for these people. So, and you're bringing community together. It's almost like they don't want the community to come together because then they'll start talking and say, well, these elected officials really aren't doing their job. So (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) maybe they just want to keep us in the house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, but anyways, my, yeah, I could go on and on about it. But it's just like in paid parking, I'm listening to them. They're talking about high-tech paid parking, download apps, this and that? Whenever I go into a new town, I have to pay for parking. It's like i got to spend 10, 15 minutes figuring out how to pay for parking so I don't get a ticket. Why don't we keep it simple? It's parking for crying out loud. Put a dime, a nickel, a quarter in pay a guy 15 grand and uh percentage of the profits to oversee everything. Then he'll fix the machines if they break down, he'll be on top of it. It doesn't get it's not brain surgery. And then you put a little uh quarter uh machine in the middle of the parking lot if they need to swipe their card to get change. It's not brain surgery. It's paid parking. <laughs> it's simple. Hmm. So, it's funny cuz they'll spend so much money and they'll put uh, little meters up, then they'll take them down, then they'll put something else up. It's like, are you kidding me? And then they'll stop charging, then they'll start again. It's like, man, you're wasting so much money. But oh well.
0: Hmm. Seems like uh, they definitely like to uh, waste money and make taxpayers. Pay for their money, but you know, you, you made a great, um, you know, bringing community together and bringing people together. And I can't help but think of how wrestling really does it, especially with you know, me and Chad and, and our friends and stuff. Wrestling always seems to bring us together. And a guy like you who's had god, so many great matches, I can think of one uh, that I was at uh, about 10 years ago at the ECW Arena. You and Jeff Jarrett tore the house down, it was great, uh, you know, it was a TNA house show, it was great stuff, but. Do you have some uh, favorite matches that come to mind? Because I, I got to know, you know, Rhino, one of the all-time you know, greats. Do you have any
2: favorite matches? You know, matches? Uh, uh, speaking of um, ECW and stuff like that, working with Sandman, I really enjoyed working with him. Uh, that was the first angle that really put me on the map. Um, I really enjoyed that whole invasion angle. I was able to work with The Rock, and uh, I was able to work with Booker T um, later on. And uh, we had, Booker T and I had a great match over in uh, Liverpool for TNA. And uh, it was a house show. And he said it was one of his top uh, five best matches. And, uh, yeah, and I was honored that he said that. So I told him, I go, that's in my top 50. (laughs) I go, Booker, I have great matches. No, he came, he came to me the next day, he goes, he goes. You ever have a crowd react to you like that? And I literally said, "Every night, book." And he laughed, and uh, it was just something magical, you know. So,
0: do you have a favorite moment in wrestling? Like, <sighs> was it when, was it when you won the
2: ECW World
0: Title, or maybe that awesome uh, Bound for Glory where you kind of ran the gauntlet and won the uh, NWA World Title?
2: Um, that was, uh, you know, I've I've been very blessed. I've been wrestling. For 22 years now um, Well it's going on 22 years But um, You know like the the first WrestleMania, WrestleMania 17 First one I was in with Edge and Christian Helped them win the tag titles um, And that was A very special match um, You know the gauntlet To win the NWA uh, Title um, That was a special night um, Working with Jeff Jarrett I really enjoyed Working with him, I think he's very talented Um, I know he gets a lot of uh, Slack from the fans Um, Well, there for a bit He was Um, But I I think he's got a great mind for wrestling Um, You know, and I I really enjoyed working with Guys like Kane and stuff like that When I first went to uh, WWE um, You know, in the hardcore division And that was was really special Because we kind of It was a it was like the 24-7, and then when I went there, Raven, I, I don't want to say it was my doing, but right before that, they were kind of making it a serious thing with Raven and, and Kane and the big show and all that, and then, uh, and then they just kept it going into more of a serious type matches, and uh, I really enjoyed that period, too, so, the hardcore title. And can't forget, uh, not too long ago, made a little
0: bit of a return uh, on NXT, which was very, very cool to see.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, NXT was a lot of fun. I was there like uh, eight months, I think. So, um, and then, speaking of WWE and NXT, remember last December when I I came back with the Dudleys and Tommy Dreamer?
0: Yes. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, get this, right? So they go, hey, can you, um, can you come in and uh, work with Dreamer and that? I go, yeah, sure. What dates? This date I can, and you know, and all that stuff. You know, if I have an independent booking, you know, they they wouldn't ask you to cancel it, nor would I, because you know, it's it's one of those things. If a promoter is booking you, you have to follow through with it. So. I'm actually, right now, as we speak, I'm sitting outside of VFW Hall. That last October, they had a break-in. They lost some money, and they needed some money to raise some money. I heard it when I went to the city council meeting. So, I'm actually, I'm going to have a spaghetti dinner fundraiser this Monday, so I'm here trying to go over everything so it comes off as a success. So that's why I'm sitting talking to you behind the VFW Hall. Awesome. So, what, what's that?
4: No, I was going to say, no, continue what you going to
2: say. So, anyways, last October, I, I hear that they need money, and I'm thinking, okay, we'll put together a charity wrestling show, right? This is after I'm done with NXT, and before they called me on the whole WWE and uh, Dreamer and all that stuff, right? So, I, I come down here, and I'm like, you know what? I'll put a charity show together. All the money goes to you. Let's do it December 8th. It's a Tuesday. If they call me last minute for NXT, usually it's a Wednesday or Thursday. I, nobody runs on a Tuesday, right? Hmm. So right. so here comes late November, early December. Actually, it was late November. They go, can you come in on this date? We'd like you on the 7th. I go, I can do that. They go, and Tuesday is SmackDown on the 8th. Now, this is the first time They've asked me to, you know, be part of SmackDown over 10 years. The only time I uh, book a Tuesday show (laughs) thinking nobody will ever want to use me on the 8th. They want to use me. And I I told them, I go, I would love to do SmackDown, but here's the deal. I booked it and I didn't even make any money at the, the VFW Hall. And uh, we ended up raising like 1200 bucks for them. Everybody wrestled for free. Um, and, yeah, so because they had their power turned off and they needed it back on so their pipes wouldn't freeze and all that stuff. So it was kind of like we couldn't push the date back or anything because so, we were getting into really the cold season. So, But I thought to myself, <laughs> here I am, you know, and we're talking about like NXT and then, you know, the stuff I did in December. And, and I'm sitting at the hall that we helped out, but... Yeah. So yeah, You could all blame the that Tuesday.
4: one on the uh, you could blame that one on the Wyatt family, I guess. That uh,
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. I missed out on a good payday. <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly. Well Rhino, this has been a lot of fun I and mean, we really it's very informative. And uh, we really wish you the best. And before we just get out the, uh, the address where everybody can get out and donate for you, just where do you see your legacy ending? Do you see it continuing with wrestling down the road or do you want to just jump into the politics full time?
2: Uh, No, I I, see the great thing. um, uh, The great thing about, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. No, I love wrestling and you know, I, it's, you know, I don't drink. I don't do any drugs. I haven't drank in, uh, probably over seven years, not one sip of, uh, alcohol. I just was done with it. Um, and I was never a big drinker before for three years. I, I drank pretty good, but I'm just like, you know what? I'm done with it. Um, I don't do drugs. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm someone your kids can look up to, you know, and I, I take pride in that. Um, you know, so with wrestling, it, there's still that passion that I have. Like after the show on uh, in New Jersey, uh, Zach Gowan, and um, and I, we drove back to Detroit right after the show. The long drives it doesn't bother me, you know. Um, you know, it's just being in front of the crowd and having you know Dad come up with his kid and say, "Hey, I used to watch you when you we were in ECW. Now, me and my my son and I were gonna watch you." tonight and you know it's it doesn't really make me feel old but it makes me feel special because I'm able to give them the opportunity to create a memory you know because I don't know if you guys have kids but when you can take your child to a band or or like a wrestling show and see the performers you watch as a kid you're sharing that with your uh child you know so it's something special, and if I could be part of something special like that for a family, it's very important. So that's why, you know, I'm very blessed. I'm 40, um, so I'm very blessed that I can still go out there and do what I do. So, um, you know, so I don't see, you know, with wrestling slowing down um, in the near future, and I've created a good uh, atmosphere um, with, uh, with promoters. So they know I'm reliable. They know I'm not going to show up, um, you know, um, and not give it 110%. So, and they know I show up before, the, uh, before doors. So, and that says, that says a lot because a lot of promoters, sometimes they, they worry about names not showing. So, and, but I know what it's like to promote a show. And if, you know, um, if someone don't show, it puts a little monkey wrench into the uh, the game plan. So, but as far as being uh, a representative, um, I can still wrestle. It's only a part time gig, but it's a full time uh, obligation, and it comes first. So, um, but yeah, they you only meet in Lansing eighty six days out of the year, and it's meant to be a part time gig. So,
4: absolutely. Well, please share with everybody the address where they can go and donate and support Rhino and everything that's going forward in his future. And of course, we wish you all the best, but please share with the listeners of the Two Man Power Trip where they can donate to your campaign.
2: Yeah, if you want to follow, you can go to Terrence Guido, or I'm sorry, Terence Garen, D E uh, R R A N C E, G E R I N, and then you'll see in brackets Rhino. That's my Facebook page. Um, or you can go to my website, which is www. dot ocom and you can follow. And uh, usually, the website I'll throw stuff up every once in a while. Uh, Nikolai Volkoff uh, endorsed me, and like Shane and you know Kurt Angle, so I'll I'll put those up. You know, which means a lot because. These guys are, you know, guys that I've traveled with and been on the road with uh, more than, I've seen more than my family, some of them. So if they support you, I think personally that means a lot. So, because they truly we know also, you.
4: Absolutely, and we forgot to leave out uh, Bob Backlund and his uh, missed campaign for president back in 1995. Yes. Which, tip of the <clears throat> cap to Mr. Backlund, of course, but Rhino, Yes. It's been a lot of fun, and we'd love to have you back to do the full career retrospective. Because God, we want to dig into those early days. For so sure.
2: Thank for you sure. so much
4: for coming on, and all the best.
2: Well, thank you for having me, and I apologize to your listeners about my voice. So, hopefully, they <laughs> could understand what I was saying.
4: Oh, absolutely.
3: of wrestling and you just heard from the man beast rhino and what an informative chat it was with Rhino and definitely head on over to his website, support the cause and help him get the road signs that he needs and some of the funds that they need for some extra costs that do come up in the midst of a campaign. And again, we want to thank Rhino for coming on and definitely look forward to down the road, hopefully get into that career retrospective with him because obviously the man beast has been well traveled and we would love to get into that with him very, very soon. And for the second half of the show, I want to turn it on over to our interview with the editor of Politics for Rare.us. He's also the former new media director for Senator Rand Paul. His name is Jack Hunter, and he's quite possibly one of the best wrestling fans that I've ever come in contact with. And I've actually been to events where we've attended and just talked wrestling for hours and hours and hours, and he is a wealth of information going all the way back to the Jim Crockett promotion days down in his native land of South Carolina where he watched some of the greatest superstars ever to grace the wrestling ring down in a small little gymnasium in his hometown in South Carolina and tells some great stories about the Rock and Roll Express and all the great guys that used to come through the territory. But it's a fun chat, and it's also very informative, and since this is the Political Extravaganza 2016 How else can we get into politics and wrestling more than with somebody whose job it is to talk politics uh, on a daily basis? And please listen to his plugs and get all the information where you can find Jack Hunter because he is one of the most entertaining follows that you're ever going to have because basically every third tweet has some kind of wrestling tie-in in some way, shape, or form. And he's one of the smartest guys that I've ever talked wrestling with, and it's such a great asset to our show to have him be a part of it. So with all that being said, I'm glad you enjoyed Rhino. John's going to hit you with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business, and then we're going to get it straight over to Jack Hunter.
0: And now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Rasslin Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. We are releasing the latest and greatest clips. Also subscribe to us on iTunes. While you're on there, please check out the feed for prior great episodes with the late American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Jesse the Body, Ventura, Mister Wonderful, Paul Orndorff, the phenomenal A.J. Styles, the Demon. Glenn Kane Jacobs, The Lunatic Fringe, Dean Ambrose, Stan the Laird Hanson, and many, many more. Also, please check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com, that is tmptofwrestling.com. You can now check us out on Google Play, as well as Player FM and the I-95 Sports Network. For any bookings, please hit up our email, bookings at tmptofwrestling.com, that is bookings at Wrestling.com for any of your booking needs. Also, check out our store on prowrestlingtees.com. It is new and it is awesome. So please check it out as prowrestlingtees.com. Also while you're there, check out the Kevin Thorne page, as well as the Mr. Wonderful Paul Onder page, and the coming soon, the Buff Bagwell page. So please check that out on prowrestlingtees.com.
4: No, they haven't, no. Oh, okay. They've done Richmond. They've, I yep. think, I don't think they did Freder. I know ECW actually used to run Fredericksburg, but I don't think they've ever done Fredericksburg, and they definitely never did Fairfax. But, it's yeah, it's just so weird. It's like, uh, what, what's up with D.C.? D.C. must have some kind of weird wrestling regulations that there's nothing going on uh, wrestling-wise in D.C.
1: Maybe. Maybe, huh.
4: That's where some of the, uh, the tie-ins for tonight's uh, little chat are going to go. We're going to talk a little yeah. politics and wrestling, but I'm going to officially uh, start the conversation right now. And Joining us on the line okay. tonight is the editor of Rare.US Politics. He is previously the new media director for Senator Rand Paul. He's a very good friend of the show, the great Jack Hunter. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling.
1: Good to be with you guys. Uh,
4: Jack, it's awesome to finally get John. We've been talking about doing it for so long, but when I think about fans and I think about people who I can conversate with about the world of professional wrestling, there's no other guy that I could possibly think of who is a more, um, hmm, let me put this in a way, uh, probably one of the best fans that I know, that he watches nearly every televised wrestling <laughs> product That's going today, and you're just saying that you haven't had a chance to check out Evolve yet, but how is it watching wrestling in 2016 versus your uh, glory days, so to speak, as being a big fan of the NWA and Jim Crockett promotions?
1: Well, not, look, nothing compares, and I don't care if it was me growing up in the '80s or you know somebody a little bit younger than me, you know, who was 12 in the '90s or whatever. Nothing compares to a child's mind when you're watching wrestling. I remember, I remember a period where I was like, I know Santa Claus isn't real, but maybe he's real. It's about the same time. I was like, maybe wrestling's not real, but maybe it is. You just can't compare to that. Ric Flair, Magnum TA, the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, Road Warriors, all that stuff, you know, that's always going to have a special place in my heart. That's always going to be the best wrestling I've ever watched, ever for as long as I live when I'm 70 or 80 years old. That said, you know, I'm still a fan of professional wrestling today, just as much a fan as an adult. Now that I have a job; I can afford to buy things. You know, I order the DVDs and subscribe to this and that, and order more pay-per-views than you know than, than my wife might be happy with sometimes. But uh, you know, I I love wrestling. You know, I, I used to have a joke to, to friends, wrestling friends and other friends that there's nothing on TV that's you know I like worse. I like terrible wrestling. Better than I like pretty much everything else on TV, and that stands true to this day. That the worst show I'll ever see or a product I'm not happy with, I still would rather watch that than half the other things. I just love professional wrestling. Working in politics, working on Capitol Hill, or working in journalism, I can't tell you, especially this election, how much of the you know sort of my pro wrestling fandom. Correlates with the world of politics; it really does. And I don't, I, you know, I make jokes about it. I write about it sometimes in columns, but it really does. It really is about bad guys versus good guys. It's about whipping up a crowd. It's about playing to people's emotions and manipulating them. It all sort of correlates. But I, I am certainly a die-hard wrestling fan through and through, and probably always will be.
4: And one thing I love about you, with being a, a big fan of you are, is that you're so positive about all the stuff that you see. Honestly, I'm more of a cynical fan. I really. I think I see the stuff I don't like, and I kind of work backwards that way. Why is it still in 2016? Is it that easy for you to get into it as uh, maybe as easy as it was during that heyday of uh, Jim Crockett promotions? I
1: like the basic formula of wrestling, and you know a lot of the old school guys. When I I, you know I go to the NWA Legends Fan Fest in Charlotte every year, talk about how bad it is today compared to how it used to be. I I agree a lot of what they say. That you know when you present it as a realistic product, more of of a sport. Uh, you know, pe- people like that. But at the same time, I like the basic formula, like I just said. The, I like the ring. I like that the guys are going to get in there and, you know, um, you know, be athletic, but tell a story. Um, you know, I, I don't, and it, this might not be like a lot of your listeners, I don't watch conventional sports. I don't watch football. I don't watch baseball. I watch professional wrestling. If it was completely real, so to speak, I probably would be bored to tears. I watch UFC pay-per-views on occasion. I really enjoy them. And then I also don't enjoy them sometimes. I like the pomp and circumstance. I like, I like the narratives, I like the stories they tell in wrestling, and that's still there today. You know, if you're a smart fan out there, a diehard fan, and you know you don't like this, don't like that, I certainly have my complaints at the end of the day, even when it's at a low point, I still enjoy it. i I, I really do and um, you know we we're in a different era now. I remember listening to an interview with the young bucks not too long ago, and you know they had the their dispute with Jim Cornette and this and that. And I'm a huge Jim Cornette fan. I was actually listening to you guys interview with Jim Cornette talking about at the beginning who's the greatest manager of all time. I think he is the greatest manager of all time. Uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan is usually considered that. I consider him number two, Jim Cornette number one. But going back to what I was saying, you know, the, the Young Bucks have this sort of ongoing feud with Jim Cornette about he doesn't understand how it is now and how it's different I think they're right about that. You know, in the internet age, you can't kayfabe and all that sort of thing. But at the same time, I think Jim Cornette is right that, you know, you've lost a little bit of the realism that made it exciting when I was a kid. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. But getting back to your original question, that just general basic pro wrestling, where I'm from in South Carolina formula, is something I still love. My eye is drawn to it when I see it on television. My heart's with it. It's what I'm interested in.
4: Yeah, that's really great that you said that. And that's kind of, I think, the biggest argument. It's almost like, you know, this this new um you know, this new fan base that's coming in and you know, some people are looking at it as disrespect, some people are just saying that, you know, oh, you gotta get with the times. It's almost an old argument but now translated heavily into the pro wrestling world, but with pro wrestling out there, you've got WWE on TV, you've got TNA still somewhere on TV, you've got Ring of Honor on TV, you've got New Japan on TV, you've got Lucha Underground on TV, and then you can even dig deeper and find your championship wrestling from Hollywood was on television for a little while, I think right before TNA got to pop. But there's so much to consume out there. Is there anyone besides A Ring of Honor. Is there any other promotion that really catches your eye, uh, or you just stick primarily with the WWE?
1: You know, I have New Japan World, and I don't get to watch it as often as I like. But when I do, I love it. I like what Jim Ross does on on Access, Access, however you pronounce it. Um, I like that a lot. Huge Ring of Honor fan. I love Jay Lethal. I loved him in TNA. I love what he's doing now. Um, I love like guys like Dalton Castle. Um, you know, I'm a, v- a big fan of the campy stuff. I think sometimes we could use use more of that in creative, entertaining ways, not some of the, some of the boring ways they do sometimes. Um, but, uh, you know, I like it all. I like Lucha Underground a lot. You know, and I've heard, you know, some some wrestling fans complain that, well, it doesn't have, you know, the, the live feel or does it feel the same because of post-production and whatnot. And I can see what they're saying, but I like that it's different. I like that their they're own little universe, they're not paying attention to what WWE is doing. Um, I, I like that. I respect that. Strike out and do your own thing. Um, I, I think it's a really good time to be a wrestling fan. Um, there are so many options. Obviously, you know, it's hard to compete. Nobody really can compete with WWE. But even look at what they're doing in NXT. I mean, to answer your question, probably my favorite brand right now is NXT, and I don't think I'm alone in saying that. Um, you know, guys like Austin Aries and, and AJ Styles and or Eric Young and, you know, now Bobby Roode, you know, and, of course, Kevin Owens and everything they're doing up there, Sami Zayn. That wouldn't have been possible 10 years ago, just the attitudes that WWE has. Um, Now I'm seeing some of my favorite wrestlers of when TNA was my favorite brand 10 or 12 years ago in WWE, so to speak, in NXT. It's just the exciting time. You know, Shinsuke Nakamura, I said two or three years ago, I'd love to see him in WWE, probably will never happen. Well, hot damn, here we are, and it's happening. I think a lot of things that, that hardcore fans have just always wanted to see that you never thought would happen, are happening in ways, and, and it's exciting. That's not to say that the product's perfect. Um, you know, the, the, this year's WrestleMania sort of underwhelmed me compared to the one before it, like a lot of other people. But it's still pro wrestling. We're still very lucky, to, you know, to, to have so many different options. I think
0: definitely a lot of options. And you talked about having New Japan World, which is awesome. Did you get a chance to see the, you know, very much talked about and publicized Ricochet versus Will Ospreay match?
1: No, I have not, and I. But but go ahead. I I don't know know what you're talking about. It bothers me, but I haven't seen it yet. But go ahead.
0: Very very to um, battle all over the internet, and uh, you should watch it. I actually did enjoy it. It's a great match. But did did you happen to see what uh, Vader had to say about it?
1: I did not. I did not. I must get oh, them out of the loop.
0: Oh okay. Yeah, Vader did, uh, I guess, had some comments where he didn't appreciate the match, and he didn't appreciate this. You know, that high-flying style of what they were doing. He said it looked a little too choreographed for him. But the match itself, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. But then all those guys like Young Bucks and everybody was kind of ganging up on Vader saying, you know, he kind of liked the whole cornet argument again. Like, oh, you're, you're stuck in the past kind of thing.
1: Well, he, here's my take on that. And look, I, 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 you know, when TNA 10 years ago, I remember telling a friend like, well, wow, who could compete with sort of this – this acrobatic gymnastic display we're seeing in the ring. It's very exciting. And he's like, well, you know, I just watched a, a, a Big Bubba match versus Ronnie Garvin where they punched each other in the face, and that was the most exciting thing I've seen all this week. <laughs> and, you know, this is sort of an old-school guy. I think, I think that, you know, we forget that in the 80s, if you read, you know, Ole Anderson's book, whatever it was called, it's been a number of years since I read it, you know, he didn't like guys like the Rock and Roll Express. He thought the Road Warriors were terrible. Um, he thought the you know the Steiners were like the greatest you know wrestlers ever, and of course they had that collegiate background. But at the same time, you know what what did Scott Steiner become later? Something Ole Anderson would have hated, and that's when he was the most over, his big pop a pump, the Rock and Roll Express, the double drop kick. I mean they they were the archetypes for what the you know the Midnight Rockers became the Rockers. I would argue the the Hardy Boys, the Young Bucks. You see a lot of that in their time, they were the guys, the small guys doing the double drop kick. A lot of people didn't like that. The old timers thought it was just too much. You know, don't leave your feet that much. Don't do the acrobatics. You can go back to that era 30 years ago and people were complaining. It's a different time. It's a different place. I like seeing a tag team like Dash and Dawson, uh, who they call the Revival. I don't like that name, but I like Dash and Dawson. They're trying to be the Andersons. There's a place for that. There's a place for what the Young Bucks are doing and being entertaining and the superkick party and the whole thing. I think there's a place for all that. So the old-timers, a lot of their critiques are right. It could be more gritty. It could be more realistic. It would be more exciting uh, you know, along those lines. But at the same time, we do live in the Internet age. Uh, Twitter exists. Uh, you can't completely cave fave, so you have to sort of adapt to the times. And sometimes that means in a more exciting style on TV, and that's what people react to. I often wonder if I was 14 and was watching – you know, Rip Rip Hawk and Sweet Hansen. would I think that's completely boring? Maybe if I was 70 and I was watching some of the stuff on TV right now would I completely hate that. Maybe. Um, but, you know, times change. Um, and, I, you know, I think sometimes we need to see beyond that. I, I would add to that, too. And I've always said this about John Cena. I'm a huge John Cena fan, always have. All the hate for him, I think it's completely ridiculous. I think it's mass psychology. I think the fans just decided, I think Shawn Michaels said this one time, that they hated him one day and they just sort of piled on. I understand the idea of something being shoved down your throat which a lot of fans resent, but I also think at the same time that John Cena is sort of a squeaky clean, squeaky clean baby face in the model of a Hulk Hogan or Ricky Steamboat in this era. If Ricky Steamboat, or particularly Hulk Hogan, came about in 1999, he was a brand new guy, you never heard of him, and was telling you to take your you know vitamins and say your prayers, the fans would have crapped all over him. They would have been on the internet, who is this jerk, this sort of you know, geeky baby that they wouldn't have liked him. It worked in the 80s. It worked before the internet. I think we live in a different age where now John Cena, I mean, he's a squeaky clean guy. He does all the things with the Make-A-Wish kids. He comes out, you know, he's the, he's the ultimate champion. That gimmick would have worked in 1982 with no booze whatsoever, in my opinion, in a way that it doesn't now. Uh, you know, or has it for the last you know, five or six years since you, know, you have the split crowds. I just think it's a different era, and you have to look at the product in a different way, and the fans approach in a different way, and you have to take all that into consideration when we're talking
0: about this thing that we love. And it's a good point on Cena because if maybe it was a different era, that you know white meat babyface, he might have been over. But what do you think about Roman Reigns now? Because he seems to be getting the John Cena treatment where he's in the crowd, half booing, half cheering.
1: I think the WWE is making a mistake, and I say that as somebody who likes Roman Reigns. I want to see him make, succeed. They're they're saying, you know, I read the internet just like you guys. You probably are more in tune to know a little bit more information than I do. But it seems like that the management in WWE seems to think, well, people boo Cena and some people cheer Cena, so it's going to be the same thing. The boos for Roman Reigns are far more overwhelming than what Cena receives. Also, John Cena, if the whole arena is booing him, can get in the ring. He manipulates it. He uses it. Can carry it around. And when he leaves that ring, he put, he had a cut a great promo. Uh, if he's in a match and have the people are booing him, he uses that to his advantage. And when that's over, whether it's a promo or a match, you enjoyed the hell out of what you just watched. Roman Reigns is not there yet. Um, he's not the talker that John Cena is. He's not the performer that John Cena is. And he's getting more boos that are legitimate. Go away, heat that are different than what Cena gets. I just think it's a different animal. I think, and I'm not the first person to say this, they should turn Roman Reigns heel, let him do that for a bit. Then you could see if he could be a successful babyface. I know he sells T-shirts, but, you know, I don't think it's working. How long are we going to go with this and continue not to work?
0: This is true, and you think about The Rock. When they tried that kind of same thing with him, he basically had to turn heel to get the crowd back on his side, and boom, look at him, you know, became one of the top stars of all time. Maybe that same kind of process should have been thought of with Reigns, turn him heel, and then go from there, because Seth Rollins just came back, and they kind of turned him heel. Were you surprised that Rollins is the heel in that feud, considering how much— I am.
1: Here? I am, and it bothers me, because you, you, you watch when he came back. What, look, and this is Wrestling 101. This is where the old-timers are right. And, I, you know, I know they do this market research and this guy sells T-shirts and whatever. It, damn it, you know, it's 1983 and the guy who's been out for months comes back and everybody wants to cheer him. They're probably going to make him face because that's what everybody wants. Give the fans what they want. But the reason they don't is they're so hell-bent on making Reigns a face when everybody's booing him. They should have turned Reigns' face. They should have made Seth Rollins a uh, Excuse me. Turn Rain's heel, made Seth Rollins a face, and I think that would have taken care of a lot of it. You know, and once again, I'm not a booker. I'm just a, a fan, like everybody else. And you know, Michael Hayes and all these guys who do the long term booking are a lot smarter than me. Um, but and I'm not saying that that's his decision, but. You know, it's just a no-brainer to me as a fan watching it. You do want to give the fans what they want. Um, you know, Jim Ross said recently, at the end of the day, so much of what we watch and we love and we're so engrossed in, it's mindless entertainment. It's not rocket science. And I think, I think sometimes they forget that.
0: Yeah, you're definitely right on that, and JR is uh, pretty much at the you know, nail on the head. But also with Rollins, which was really interesting, they did an hour uh, documentary, a part of their 24 series on the network, and after you watch that, you basically like him even more. There's kind of – after watching that, it's like there's no way this guy can be a heel. I don't know. Did you get a chance to see that great documentary? It was, that it's on? great.
1: Yeah, I watched it actually after – was that after the pay-per-view or was it after Raw? Whatever. I think it was after Raw. I watched it immediately after the whole thing. All those 24 specials, 24-7 specials are wonderful. Um, they do a great job. And yeah, you're absolutely right. What, what, why are we watching this? Because we, they obviously want us to be sympathetic to Seth Rollins and what he's gone through, and then you're going to make him heal. Look, it's it is 2016. We have the internet. We know this stuff's not real in a way that you know when I was eight or ten years old, you kind of wondered you didn't have the internet. Um, we're in that world, absolutely. But damn it, if the guy's a heel. You don't do things that are supposed to be sympathetic as much as they do. If, if somebody's a faith, then you want to run specials like that. I think they need to be a little bit more consistent. You know, I'm not the first person to say, you know, Stephanie McMahon walked up there. She's part of the authority. She's a heel. And then you see her online or something and doing charity work, and she's a wonderful woman, and they should do that. That's an important part of what WWE does. But I think it's confusing for the fans, and I think it sort of weakens the product overall. I think the old school guys are right about that.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. They're definitely right on that. It's, it's interesting kind of the way they do it, but t- that was a great thing with Seth Rollins, that 24 thing. But if I could kind of go in a little bit of a different direction, because I know you mentioned it earlier. You said wrestling is so much of like politics right now, and obviously you're deep invested into the political game. What do you think about Donald Trump? Obviously, that would be Hall of Famer, but you know, what do you think about him as a politician? And what do you think about him almost as a, that kind of like pro-wrestling heel?
1: Donald Trump would be my favorite wrestler if he were were not running for president. Um, (laughs) You talk about (laughs) about a guy who's – he's a natural face or a heel depending on what audience he's talking to. Obviously the Republican base, he's a face, and to a lot of other people, he's a heel. Donald Trump's talent is that when an audience is in front of him, he knows exactly what they want to hear, and he gives it to them. It doesn't matter if he can deliver, if his policies You know, really, if he were president, if it would actually work out, or if he even knows what he's talking about, he knows what he wants. They want to hear, and he says it. And I think that's a great talent. You know, our favorite wrestlers have that talent. You do it. I think John Cena has it. Um, I think politics correlates with wrestling in so many ways. Um, You know, I went to the Republican National Convention in 2012. I actually wrote a column for the American Conservative, and the editor titled titled it "RNC or WWE." And the point I made is that it was the least it was the least political thing I've ever attended. It was really a cheering match. You know, USA, USA, here comes Mitt Romney. Yay! Oh, now we're going to put Barack Obama on the screen. Boo! The whole thing was like that. <laughs> it's this big arena, you know, and people cheering. And that was even more interesting because, you know, I come from the, sort of the Ron Paul, Rand Paul world, where Ron Paul and his people were at the convention, and they sort of switched the rules on them in the middle of the convention so Ron Paul couldn't speak, and I likened it to you know, Vince McMahon sort of being thrown in a closet or – excuse me, Vince McMahon throwing the so-called commissioner whoever happened to be in the closet, and then he went out and did his own thing and changed the rules. It was exactly like that. It was them sort of making up their rules on the fly to reflect what, what the establishment, the authority, if you will, that being the, you know, the, the RNC, the Republican National Committee, wanted to reflect. Wrestling and politics are very sim- similar. This election, Donald Trump, I mean, you, you're, you're absolutely right in bringing him up. He's, he's a wrestling candidate, he's a WWE guy. I think, you know, Jim, Rocks, Jim Ross wrote at Fox Sports that everything w- that's made Donald Trump successful, he learned in WWE. I completely agree with that. Not that he didn't have it before, but it's the same thing. And it, this, is, this is before Donald Trump. Um, you know, every election, you know, me sort of being a libertarian guy and being a little bit more rigid ideologically, you know, I look at the conventional Republican and the conventional Democrat. They're not that different. But the partisans on each side build up in their head, oh, you know, if John Kerry wins, it's going to be the end of the world. And the Democrats say in 2004, oh, if George W. Bush wins, it's going to be the end of the world. And of course, it never is the end of the world. And there's another episode and there's another election. But the partisans have the good guys and bad guys, you know, just so firm in their minds. That's how wrestling is, you know. At the end of the day, the Undertaker's not really going to kill anybody. He's not really dead. But boy, you know, the showmanship and the lead up to that—we think it's just going to be the end of the world if one guy loses or one guy wins—and it's not dead. There's another Raw and there's another pay-per-view. Politics is the exact same way. I always make the joke that the difference between political fans and wrestling fans is that wrestling fans at this point know what they're watching isn't real. <laughs> it is, and that's true. I mean, it's funny, but it's absolutely true.
0: So well said, and the thing with Trump that really intrigues me the most is it's almost like sometimes he's out there and he's cutting a promo. Like Hillary is crooked Hillary. She always has that nickname. You know, he always has a nickname for this guy or that. You think it's almost like he's out there on a podium, but he's cutting wrestling promos?
1: I do. I, even – you know, the, the one that stood out to me the most is you know, Marco Rubio is known for the, the water incident when he was giving the Republican rebuttal to Obama, and he picked up the bottled water and drank from it. Everybody thought it was funny. So Donald Trump, at one of his speeches, when him and Rubio were sort of neck and neck, picks up a, a bottled water and says, Marco Rubio, and starts you know, sort of uh, throwing water out at the audience, and everybody laughs. That's wrestling. That's absolutely wrestling, not even kind of like. That's 100% wrestling. (laughs) And he does the Lion Ted with Ted Cruz, and now you see it with Hillary today. Hillary actually trolled him today with her foreign policy speech saying – uh, and I thought it was brilliant, actually, as you know, somebody who does messaging and a speechwriter. Um, she said, well, you know, Donald Trump is he doesn't have the temperament for office and is unstable, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, he's probably tweeting about this right now. And lo and behold, there have been a dozen stories about exactly what he was tweeting. And it sounded exactly like what she described. So it really is good guys and bad guys and, and the, the same, you know, sort of a drama we see in wrestling. It's not that different.
4: Now, do you think that's kind of indicative you know, of the time that we're living in that maybe you know, 65, 70, even 150 to 200 years ago that the, uh, the presidential candidates not necessarily taking the jabs that they will so publicly now these days? Do you think that's more indicative to the, uh, the lifestyle that we have and the connected world that we live in these days?
1: I don't. I think it's different in the television age. It's different for wrestling. You know, we had wrestling before television, and we had politics before television. That certainly, you know, makes it different. But I don't think the general dynamic is any different. I don't. You know, in the, in the 18th and 19th centuries, when presidential candidates were running against each other, it was nasty. It was really bad. Um, and I, I think it's the same thing. It's the same, you know, black and white narratives that, that we see in wrestling. I don't think it's any different. You know, I, I uh, co authored a book with Senator Rand Paul, and he talks about being 10 years old and going to the Republican convention in 1976, where Gerald Ford was being challenged by an insurgent Ronald Reagan. Um, you know, many people wanted the incumbent president, Gerald Ford, not be the nominee. They wanted to be Ronald Reagan. There were fist fights on the floor. At the 1976 Republican convention, people actually punching each other in the face. You know, we see this in in Japanese parliament and some things overseas. Happens sometimes here in the United States. I wouldn't be surprised if some fists were thrown at this Republican convention. I I do think it's amusing. You know, know, I'm sort of a redneck at heart. I'm a guy from South Carolina. I love wrestling, I like to call it. Um, you know, have not embarrassed about it at all or whatever. I think it's amusing to me that how many of these people living here in D.C. think that there's something special and high minded and I'm involved in politics and look at how hotty toddy I am. They're full of it. All of them are full of it. They're all basically wrestling people at heart. And they're too dumb to know it. They, they really are. <laughs> it's the same damn thing.
4: Hey, and we also know that uh, Donald Trump can throw a clothesline and take a stone-cold stunner. So uh, if there was fist fighting on the floor, he could definitely uh, mix it up with the best of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, if Captain Rick, Redneck Dick Murdoch was still around, he might be in his cabinet. I mean, there's a whole thing you could do. Yeah, you could definitely take a punch. So. <laughs> definitely, you know,
4: and it's also it's kind of funny, the, you know, the kind of connections that – um, you know wrestling and politics do have and it's because at the end of the day professional wrestling you know these guys are playing somewhat of a part they're playing a role a gimmick a character and they do have real lives outside of the professional wrestling business and obviously the uh, the big one that we all know of is Jesse the body Ventura becoming the governor you know the, uh, Jesse the governor Ventura the mind uh, and then also someone who I know you know very well and Glenn Jacobs now just announced that he might be running for uh, mayor in Knoxville uh, right. B. Brian Blair down in Florida holds a position, the great Sasuke uh, is a part of uh, uh, politics, uh, Ludwig Borga was uh, in politics while he was around. It's almost like there's a, a correlation between the two, but what makes uh, a wrestler, um, I, I hate to say that they're not taken so seriously in politics, but what makes a wrestler somebody who could pursue it you know, in a more positive life?
1: I, name ID is everything in politics. I mean, Jesse Ventura, when he ran for that CEO, a lot of people thought it was weird or unusual, but a lot of people knew who he was. Uh, that's the most difficult thing for somebody starting in politics. So, wrestlers are, already have that. It's, you know, there's a lot of baggage with that and a lot of negatives, but there's some positives. A guy like Glenn Jacobs, if he decides to run in Tennessee, I think, you know, being a wrestler is a positive. I don't think many people in Tennessee think wrestling is something bad or anything to be ashamed of. I do think it hurts somebody like Linda McMahon in Connecticut. Um, You know, her opponents threw that at her. Oh, you're in the wrestling business. Look at how horrible this is. Look at how special we are and how lowbrow you are. It just depends on where you are. Um, But, you know, I think there's as many people in the wrestling business, both performers and people behind the scenes interested in politics or other things outside of wrestling as anywhere else, And some of them happen to run for office, whether you're Bob Backlund or Jerry Lawler running for mayor of Memphis. Um, You know, you you have intellectual pursuits and different philosophical and governmental things, I I imagine, that you're interested in, and you pursue those. But, um, you know, there's pros and cons for people in the wrestling business getting into politics. I generally think it's more pro because name ID is so important, and you've kind of put yourself out there in another fashion.
4: Yeah, and the problem with Linda McMahon is that when they uh, just constantly show. uh... Uh, Nutshot to Jr. on uh, Louisville
1: right. while
4: she's doing an interview. That doesn't really uh, that doesn't really help the cause, but uh, yeah, that's a, a kind of unfortunate case for her, and it really it did hurt the WWE in the long run because uh, you know they they kind of had to go the PG route. They've dug themselves into a PG hole in the minds of some fans. But one guy you didn't mention in that was somebody who was contemplating running in North Carolina, and that is a guy who I know you're a huge fan of, going all the way back and. Uh, when I ran into you down in Charlotte, you were wearing the uh, Ric Flair uh, presidential shirt. <laughs> but the nature boy, do you think that his bid for an office would uh, come up a little bit short? Do you think he'd get the uh, the fan vote uh, for somebody running for office?
1: I think about 10 years ago when the Republican Party there, at least some in the North Carolina Republican Party, were considering uh, you know, trying to get him to run for governor. I think he could have had legs, and I think he could have done well. Would he have won? Who who knows? But I think he could have done well. He's certainly, you know, a hero in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the Carolinas in general. I will tell tell you a little funny story about that. I, I think our mutual friend Mike Mooneyham, who you probably know, the uh, columnist yep. down there in Charleston, my hometown, the Post and Courier, was at a party. He's you know he's one of Rick Flair's longest um, uh, friends, longtime friends, in Rick Flair's WWE biography. He says something to the effect that. You know, uh, Muhammad Ali needed Howard Cosell to put his career into context. Well, I had Mike Mooneyham to do that for me, which I thought was a pretty high honor coming from Rick to Mike.
2: But uh,
1: Mike told me once he was at a party at, at Rick Flair's house, and everybody had a little bit too much to drink, as you could imagine, at a Rick Flair party, including Rick himself, and that he announced to the, the the people there wearing a belt and not much more than a belt that he was going to be the president of North Carolina. And Mike said, no, no, you mean governor. And he said, the hell with that. I'm going to be the president of North Carolina. (laughs) So, you know, I think he should have been the president of North Carolina. Why not?
4: I think they could have created it uh, for him, especially, hey, if this is the mid-'80s and he did have the horsemen running in their heyday, they could just take it if they wanted it. So it uh, it would have been as simple as that. But talk about growing up as a fan of Jim Crockett Promotions, the NWA, telling me some great stories about going to shows locally in South Carolina. What was it that drew you to wrestling originally?
1: Man, oh god, there's so many things I could tell you. You know, the the main the, the mainstay in, in Charleston, South Carolina, where I was from, was County Hall. They would run wrestling every Friday night, every Friday night, and I was just a little bit too young for that. I would see it at St. Andrews High School gym once a month. Imagine wrestling coming to town once a month, like it did once a week in so many towns, Across the country and we were the b-town you guys know about that the a-town would get oh, yeah. dusty and rick but our headliners were the rock and roll express and the midnight express who we knew you know made more money sometimes than dusty and rick but that was who we saw regularly i remember standing outside the uh where the locker rooms were after a match and jim Cornette saw me and my friend and he threw something at us and told us damn kids to get out of there before he sucked sick Bob, Bob, beautiful bobby on us <laughs> things like that and you know when you're, you're a kid you it 's just not like that anymore, you know it's a little more mom and Pop. I remember when the wrestlers would walk out when Jimmy Garvin would walk out in the sharp dressed hand they took a the little a little radio, a jam box with one speaker, and they stuck the microphone up to hear Zizi easy to the speakers i mean that 's how crude it was, and yet that high school gym was sold out once a month. We were in front row, it cost twelve dollars a drugstore. Um, there was really nothing like that. I I, I also remember, you know, my parents are are very social. My, My dad's 70, my mom's 63, but they would always go out to the bars and whatnot. When I was a kid, they would say, oh, we just saw Black Jack Mulligan and Ric Flair at you know, Bairdon on Rivers Avenue, which was a hot spot in the early 80s where a lot of the wrestlers would go, or the jukebox, which was another hot spot. And then lo and behold, I see Ric Flair the next day on TV going, woo, you know, I was in Charleston last night and we tore it all down, and there was nothing more real to me in the world. And then my parents giving me eyewitness reports about what Ric Flair and Black Jack Mulligan and some of these other people were up to, and the wrestlers the next morning saying exactly where they were and what they were doing. That was just a wonderful time to, to be alive as a child. The wrestling was so great. The Rock and Roll Express to this day is my favorite tag team of all time. Not, not many people say that. You know, if they're going back to that era, they'd say the Andersons, certainly the Midnight Express. I think those guys were sort of the, the transition between the old school, and they are old school, and some sort of, sort of high-flying stuff we see today. You know, the, the Hardy Boys. I, to me, I see Rock and Roll Express, certainly Young Bucks, but just sort of that acrobatic style and the double drop kick. I think it was sort of new at the time. So it was just, you know, beyond exciting, the things you saw at that time. I mean, I do think, and, you know, Jim Cornette always says that, you know, Jim Crockett Promotions in the 80s was like the camelot of wrestling. It was, you know, and I watched the WWF product and Hulk Hogan and, and Piper, who was also in the NWA, and I remember that as well. But to me, that was the big wrestling that everybody knew, but the real wrestling was in my backyard, and it was Jim Crockett Promotions. And the, that, that's what I thought of when I was 8 and 10 and 12 years old. But that's the real deal, and that's what I grew up on and still love it this day the most.
4: Do you Any think there really is match? a – oh, I'm sorry. Wait one second, Josh. Do you really think there is a difference between um, that Southern wrestling, the quote Southern wrestling, and that more entertainment style of the WWF? Do you think that there really is a, a, a huge difference between the two products?
1: Uh, certainly, I recognize that even as a child in the '80s, that I thought that the you know, the New York-based WWF stuff was a little bit more cartoonish. Um, and I don't say that like it was bad. You know, m- one of my favorite wrestlers right now is Dalton Castle. He's pretty cartoonish. He's also pretty awesome. So <laughs> it's not like I'm saying one's better than the other. But I I thought, what, you know, going back to the the beginning of this conversation, at a, an age when I thought. Santa Claus may or may not be real. You're kind of on the fence. I thought wrestling may or may not be real. I certainly thought that about Jim Crockett Promotions more than I thought about WWF, which I was convinced was not real. It was just the way it was carried out. I mean, you see, you know, the, the four horsemen in a car on TV, beating down Dusty Ripon in a parking lot. I, I thought that really happened. When me and my friends would go to the local shows, I thought if Ricky Morton, you know, saw saw Dennis Condry in the parking lot that they would throw down right then, that the rage could not be contained. I literally thought that. Um, and I don't know that I thought that about this, the WWE product
0: at the time. It was just different. definitely more real, definitely more gritty, and it had that uh, real sense of, you know, like something dangerous could happen at any moment with the NWA, which was cool and which was awesome. And you had some of the greatest matches, of all time. Is anyone to really stick out to you as some of your favorite matches?
1: Well, you have the Magnum TA Tully's Lantern I Quit match, which was just, just totally awesome. Um, you know, Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, everybody's talked about the blue in the face, but I'm you know, i going back to the well here, Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express, you could touch that. To this day, I like to go on YouTube and I've got some of the, you know, the independently produced, I've got a Rock and Roll Forever DVD, but that crowd pop that you hear when they come out is just insane. It's absolutely insane, and that's probably still my favorite. Love the Andersons, love the Road Warriors. Hell, I love the Mulkeys. Uh, (laughs) Just just everything about that era. Um, I'm trying to think of any particular matches. You know, when when the Multimania thing happened and the, the so called gladiators from Japan, who you know, were not actually that, and they were defeated. That was a big deal. All the stuff with you know, Ric Flair and Ricky Morton with the training bra, which you can watch on YouTube or the WWE Network, all that was wonderful. Baby Doll. Boy, you know, being passed around by Tully Blanchard and then going over to Magnetier and the Dusty Rhodes, and they were all fighting over, that was wonderful. Ric Flair and Jimmy Garvin fighting over Precious, you, Precious for a night. That's ingrained into my brain forever. I, you know, I just love all that stuff.
0: Some of the best things ever for sure happened in the NWA and Jim Crockett promotions. absolutely love Rock and Roll Express Midnight's Christ because You can watch it now and say, wow, that's better than, you know, any tag team match I've ever seen. It's just crazy. Without Welcome question. And, and then, you know, even Flyer Steamboat, too, some of the greatest matches ever. But it's it's funny, you, you mentioned all this crazy stuff, and, and we actually had uh, Rich Brennan on, uh, former NXT. He was talking about multi Mania as well. Isn't that funny some of the things that stick out to you, even though they're not top dogs, they still stick out because they're so memorable?
1: I think about that every time I watch Monday Night Raw. Like, here's a little angle that, you know, I will watch, you know, an hour later you forget. Think about something like Shawn Michaels with the barbershop, you know, kicking Regent Eddie through. We used to talk about that to this day. That was one angle they did one time. Yes, it was a turn, but... Like We just remember that. I remember many of those in the NWA days, like we said, the Malkies and so many other different things. It is amazing how something that happened 20 or 30 years ago that a couple of bookers or promoters or even the performers themselves thought 15 minutes about uh, still stick with us. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, to me, it's a testament to the, both the product and our passion for it. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool.
0: Definitely, and it's funny because I was thinking that, too. Like, something things that, like, maybe AJ turning with the club, beating up Cena, I'll remember that for a little bit. For, but for the most part, I didn't remember too much of the show. I actually can't even think of what the main event was off the top of my head. But something back in the day, you know, you remember like crazy, like the Michaels barbershop incident or Slayer and Terry Funk feuding or, you know, something like that is just so memorable, so ingrained. Do you think that has something to do with it being, you know, more related to, when we were younger, remembering things better, and now we have too much things going on? Or you think that the wrestling product kind of isn't as good as it was then?
1: I think it's a combination of all those things. Um, I'm, you know, as you say that, I'm sitting here thinking of things that stick out in my mind. I, I think I'll always remember that, you know, the CM Punk sitting on Indian-style mic shoe you know the mic bomb or whatever they called it i'll always remember that you guys probably always will too uh, with aj and wwe i've been a fan of his for so long loved him in tna when he came out for the first time we'll probably always remember that but i think i would have remembered it in a different way when i was 10 or 12 than i would now at 41 years old <laughs> or 42 now i just had a birthday yesterday i forget um it, it, it is i mean think about the band you liked when you were 13 years old Um, those bands are going to stay with you and mean more to you than some band that probably came out 15 years, you know, 20 years later. um, That might be just as good, but it's just different. Um, I think as a kid, things sort of affect you more because you are maturing emotionally and, you know, intellectually, and they they stay with you in a different way. Um, I think there were probably people who were friends of, you know, um, or fans rather John Weaver, you know, in the 60s who were watching the Rock and Roll Express and Magnum TA and thinking it was okay, but boy, it wasn't as good as what they used to watch. I think, it's, I think it's just it's different from generation to generation, and you hear that when they speak. I mean, I I like Willie Anderson, I like the Andersons, but boy, at every WA fan fest, he talks about how much Rick Slayer sucks. And you know, Gene Anderson was tougher than anybody that ever lived, and he's not wrong. But he just sees things a different way because he's from a different generation. And I think stick out in your mind and mean more to you because of your age and what you're accustomed to and what where your heart really is. Um, And I also noticed this. You know, I have friends who are diehard wrestling fans. I'm thinking of one in particular. He's only 20 years old. And he talks about how Eddie Guerrero, that was his guy. And I loved Eddie Guerrero too, but like that's him, that was his Ric Flair or, you know, a Magnum TA or a Rock and Roll Express that meant something to him and and really got him into the sport. As much as I liked Eddie Guerrero, it would never be the same for me, but I was older than him. Um, I think that's true for a lot of wrestling fans, and I think sometimes that we look at the product and say, well, it's not as good as it used to be, and it actually is in different ways, but because we're older, we don't give it enough credit, and young people see it in ways different than we do can actually assess it a little bit better than we can.
0: Yes, I definitely, definitely agree with that for sure. Now, with, you know, our fandom, and obviously, you know, your you're fans still, and you're watching still, you know, all the leagues, and you're still up on it, what would be an ultimate dream match for you? A guy from then, like a flay or something against somebody today. Who would be kind of like a couple dream oh. match that you would really love seeing?
1: I mean, I'd like to see – I'm a big Kevin Owens fan. I'm trying to think. One of them actually just happened. I thought when AJ came in, I wanted, I wanted to see Cassina. Cena. I know it's baby face versus baby face with him getting with the club or returning to the club last, you know, Monday night. That's a little, uh, trying to turn him face. I don't think that's really what it's going to be. People are going to cheer for him and gal and Anderson. Um, I'm trying to think of what, what dream matches would I like to see, um, I mean, I would like to see guys like Dash and Boston, you know, fighting the Rock and Roll Express in their heyday. I mean, that's that that that's kind of the same thing. I'll be honest with you. You know, I I've, I look at somebody like Shinsuke Nakamura who can speak English you know, well enough. Um, but you do worry about the, the limitations if he gets called up to the main roster and I assume he will. Imagine if Jim Cornette was his manager. Imagine what he could do with something like that. Um, you know, but that's just fantasy booking. It's it's not going to happen. Maybe they'll put him with like Paul Hammond or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean think about this thing from time to time. You kinda you caught me in <laughs> the I can't think of any in particular off the top of my head, which makes me a bad fan, I guess. But
4: <laughs> 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 he- Do you really think, though, with, like, a Nakamura that finally we're going to break the mold of the traditional uh, foreigner coming into WWE? You know, Vince has got the reputation that he might, you know, pigeonhole somebody that's from the Far East and they, you know, are wearing the, uh, you know, the flag and they, you know, they speak broken English. Like, do you think that Nakamura is finally a guy that's going to break that mold?
1: I don't see why the hell not. He's great in the ring. He puts on a great. I mean, was Lex Luger a great talker? No, but he had a look, and they liked him. And what, he wasn't even that good in the ring. It didn't matter. But they made him a star. I don't see why that – it's Not even a language barrier with Nakamura. It's Sort of an accent barrier, you know, because he speaks with a heavy accent because he's from Japan. Um, I'd like, I'd like to see them break that. I think they should. I also think it's a smart business move if you're trying to promote the WWE network and you have that Japanese market. You'd be foolish not to do it. And I, I assume they're thinking in those terms. Um, I I think it needs to happen. Um, I think that's part of what's encouraging about what Triple H is doing with NFT and bringing in some of the former TNA guys and ROH guys and some of the indie guys that wouldn't have happened before. It seems to me as an outlier looking in that they're getting a little bit smarter and seeing that they can capitalize on wrestling more comprehensively than they used to in a way that pleases the fans and, and increases their bottom line. I hope that's what continues to happen.
4: Yeah, definitely, and there's so much that can be, you know, just a new new wave of how the WWE does their business, and NXT has just given them so many cool things to do, and to even think about, I mean, I remember speaking with you about Nakamura last year, and just, you know, we're saying, like, this guy is just the best in the world, and he's just oozing charisma, and man, can you imagine if he was in the WWE, and I don't think even then, neither one of us could ever have imagined that he would have been in the WWE in any capacity,
1: no, I thought they would have said, you know, that's great. He does well in the pan. You know, maybe he'll come in and be halfway jobber, maybe a little something. They would, But they, they've really treated him like a star so far. I hope that continues. And you're right. I would have thought that was a pipe dream, and that goes back to our conversation earlier. As much as we won't complain about the current product, there are really cool things happening that, that wouldn't have happened years ago.
4: Yeah, without a doubt. Now, just kind of as we uh, kind of head towards the, the wrap-up here, just wanted to ask you know, so you've written – You've written some books, you know, you've been published uh, in, in a bunch of magazines, and you know, there's there's something with you and wrestling that just really connects with me, and I, I was always kind of interested in asking you this, have you ever been kind of interested in writing a wrestling-related book, maybe a wrestling-politics tie-in kind of book?
1: Um, I th- certainly wouldn't be opposed to it, um... I think there's a lot of overlap there. Maybe it's in the cards. I've certainly written a number of columns um, and different pieces and and feature pieces for different magazines and publications where I throw in a lot of wrestling. Um, Certainly not outside the bounds of, of, of possibilities, and I would certainly have a lot of fun doing it. Um, If I think there's a market for it, I would certainly look into doing it. I think it'd be a lot of fun. You know, I I was talking to a a journalist here who works for the Daily Caller in D.C. just recently, and I I didn't realize how much Lee Atwater was a huge wrestling fan. Lee Atwater, for those who might not know, was an advisor to George H.W. Bush and to Ronald Reagan. He's from South Carolina. Um, Controversy and some of the things he did. But he used to say that wrestling is the most honest sport there is. And he was saying that as a political operative. And he, what he meant was when he went to a wrestling match, he could tell they were all just, you know, just sort of play acting, but that that's what he did too. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier that it, so much of it correlates. Now, that's a guy that's been dead 20 years and, you know, worked for, for different presidents. He saw the same, same thing I saw. So there's definitely a book to be had, a book to be written, rather, um, about, about how they were just so similar in so many different ways.
4: Yeah, definitely. And it is by far the first lee atwater uh mentioned ever in the history of wrestling (laughs) which is really cool but another cool thing that i want to uh, hit before we wrap up is you were recently on real time with bill maher how was that experience how was heading out to the uh, left coast there the united states and getting to uh hobnob there with a michael moore and a bill maher and how was that whole experience for you
1: it was a lot of fun, you know. I've done different shows, but nothing quite like Bill Maher. They really treated you well. I'll be honest with you. In the back of my mind, I wanted to go see a pro wrestling gorilla show, but it's impossible to get tickets. It was easier for me to get booked on the Bill Maher show than probably to get a pro wrestling gorilla ticket. But yeah, I had a good time out there. I wish I would have got to see some some West Coast wrestling, though.
4: <laughs> That's awesome. Now, you know the uh, kind of the generic question that we end the interviews on. You know, for uh, one of the old-timers, it's, you know, when you look back on your career, how do you see yourself, or your legacy, you know, yada, yada, yada. For the guys that are currently going on in the business, it's where do you see yourself in five years. But where does Jack Hunter see himself in five years? You've done it all. You've been a radio host. You've been a published author. You're currently with Rare.us. But where does Jack Hunter see himself in five years?
1: I have a great life. I feel blessed every day. Um, I do something I'm passionate about for a living. I'm involved in the world of politics. I work directly for politicians. Right now I'm on the journalism side. I still want to be in the game. You know, I'm a libertarian-leaning guy. There's a lot of things on the horizon that are optimistic for people in my perspective. I hope that remains so. I want to be part of that fight. And most importantly, I want to fit that little thing in with my most important endeavor, which is watching wrestling every chance I get. So, <laughs>
4: <laughs> Without a doubt. Now, Jack, before we uh, say goodbye, please share with the listeners of the Two Man Power Trip where they can find you. And if you want to follow Jack on social media, you will get a lot of wrestling content. But Jack, point them in the direction where they can locate you on the interwebs.
1: Absolutely, I have the most bizarre twitter feed on twitter it's jack hunter seventy four um half politics half wrestling um dot com is where I'm the editor for rare politics and uh Jack hunter on facebook you can find you can find my fan page and there's all sorts of political stuff and not uh, there's plenty of wrestling stuff on a regular basis. Confuses some of the political people sometimes, but I think they've gotten used to it at this point
4: <laughs> without a doubt well jack. It's been a lot of fun to finally get you on and definitely would love to have you back because I know uh, primetime there is looking to uh, talk a little bit more about those NWA shows from back in the day. So we appreciate you coming on tonight. And that's where I will you. Kind of Thanks for listening to the
3: two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.